Hey everyone and welcome to Elder Speak issue 60. I'm your host Mats and with me today I have Gavin Green. Hey everybody. Uh, we're just going to kick it right off I think. We only have the news to go over today and so Randy, no sorry, not Randy, <laughs> Gavin, go ahead. Randy, Gavin is Randy today so we could, uh, 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 your your mistake is forgiven. Yeah. Okay, uh, pardon that very creepy introduction here. Let's uh, go right into it with a uh, always favorite topic here, video game legislation. Apparently, California is preparing arguments for its side of a Supreme Court case that is uh, said to be heard very soon on violent video games. If they succeed, it would allow the government to outright ban or at least greatly restrict the sale of violent video games. We don't have a legal definition for that yet, to minors. And um, while on the uh, opposite side of the case, if if they do not succeed, it will just be the same it has always been, the ESRB being enforced on a store-by-store basis. Now, of course, this has brought up all all manner of debate in terms of regulation, being self-regulation versus federal regulation, what is too much, what is too little, and, of course, freedom of speech rights between adults and minors, so basically, delightful arguments all over the pace, place. And Mont, you actually had a bit of verbosity to you when this came on the site. So why don't we go to you? What is your opinion on the case as we know it? It's a very confusing case, as all Supreme Court cases are. Well, as you all know, I'm not actually American. So this, you know, has little effect on me. I know it has a lot more effect on you, Gavin, because you actually live in California. That I do. Well, I'm... Well, I'm you're... A- you're- yeah, yeah you're I'm eight. legal in California, so I am over 18, so not as much as you think, but uh, I am much more affected than you are. Yeah, true. Um, but, see, this whole thing has brought up my angry principalarian kind of personality, where I think, you know, any form of speech uh, should not be restricted lawfully to younger people. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me what this speech is. It could be hate speech. It could be whatever. I just uh, and we currently have laws against it in both Norway and America against uh, things like pornography and hate speech and stuff like that. Uh, which I just, even though it's an existing law, I just I don't agree with it. I think we should abolish that law and we should never enforce this law. It's just something that you can't do. Uh, the moment you start, uh, you know, uh, differentiating uh, in speech, in freedom of speech between minors and adults, you get into very murky water because the actual uh, definition of an adult, which is over 18, is completely arbitrary. Uh, the human mind in males doesn't um, finish uh, evol- or developing until you're 35 years old. And in females, 25, so go females. But it's <laughs> it's just completely arbitrary. And, and designing laws around this and, and, and you know, uh, structuring a society around this, while it might be useful to some degree, just isn't right, uh, in my opinion. Absolutely. Now, again, the exact definition of what is the law that will be enacted if California succeeds, state of California, that is, is a bit muddy. We're not exactly sure if this is just stricter regulation or stricter federal uh, consequences for retailers that break the laws uh, or the 
recommendations of the ERCB in selling video ga- violent video games to minors. I guess we can just say mature rated games in this case. Yep. Um, and in that case, it's uh, it's it's arguable in favor of it. It's always good to you know have strict enforcements as sort of a uh, disincentive towards behavior that pretty much anyone would disagree with in terms of handing copies of extremely violent video games to minors. But well, I to think. Look, to, to look at, uh, but on the other side, if this is outright banning of material, a lot of people are against the act of banning in general, and in that case, I would definitely be in that field. If we take video games as a form of media and compare it directly to um, movies or, or or the like, yeah, you do have regulation where you say you cannot sell a over-17 movie or a R-rated movie to a minor by punishment of some federal law or another, which is fine. But if you look at, well, might, may not be fine depending on who you are, but in terms of theaters where people can a, get get to the content in a different way, and that's much more comparable to video games in that case, it's up to theater th- by theater basis in enforcing the ratings by an independent board, in that case the MPAA. And I much prefer that system of self-regulation to federal regulation. But again, this is me and Mott, so feel free to go on our site and tell us how you feel, because that's how we learn. And I mean, you're just creating an, an unnecessary uh, middle point, because what you're saying then is that a child, you, the store cannot sell um, a copy of a violent or mature-rated video game to a child, but it could sell it to an adult buying it for the child, and that's mm. completely legal. So it's ju- it's not like this is a you know definite stop to the thing. It's just something for the kids to get around, which they already do. I mean, stores already don't sell violent video games to children, but to enforce it by law is just wrong. Mm. Um, and uh, I have another argument, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> well, it's definitely on text on the site. So if you yeah. don't agree with us, if you do agree with us, make sure to let us know exactly why in either our forums or on the comments section of this news item, which you can find, of course, by going to our news section. But we're moving on, and we're moving on to the Blue Bomber himself, Mega Man, and a very unexpected but still very awesome announcement – Mega Man Universe. Yay. Now we're still not exactly sure of the specifics of this uh, of this game, as it were, but the absolutely epic trailer depicts many types of Mega Man fighting with many other Capcom variety characters, and this actually is coming from the original inventor of the franchise, Kenji Inafune-san, and. That is pretty much what we know right now. It's set to be released on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade at an unforeseen date in the future. But this seems like a, just another route for the Blue Bomber to take, and he hasn't had a bad adventure recently. So I'm I'm all for extending Capcom's luck streak with Mega Man. But if you, if you watch, a fan? yeah, uh, well, I, I'm not a particularly big Mega Man fan, just because I think it's too hard and I don't have the patience <laughs> for it. Uh, in in theory and principle, I like the game, but um, I, I don't know. I saw, well, I watched the trailer and it it was these toys playing around, uh, just basically Toy Story. Uh, but it, there seems to be a lot of other Capcom properties involved in this. Uh, Street Fighter, among other uh, among others. So, is this you know, does this should this really be called Mega Man World or is this like universe? Cap- yeah, universe or is this like Capcom universe? Well, keep in mind, we did see multiple versions of the Mega Man in the trailer. We had, you know, yeah. the traditional Mega Man that you think of when you think of Mega Man. You have the very bad, evil-looking, 
human version of Mega Man that was seen on the original American cover art for the first game, mm. which ever, which is, you know, infamous at this point in time. So it could still be a, a very much Mega Man focused game. We, again, we're just going off a very uh, quasi revealing tra- teaser mm. trailer at this point. Mm. It looks uh, interesting. I'll definitely give my out. Mm-hmm. Well, we got another game announcement, announcement to follow this up here, and it's on a much different title, about as far as we can get on the IP scale while still shooting things. This, of course, is James Bond 007 Bloodstone. Now, this is uh, good, w- uh, good to note that this is a unique property. It's not coming out in correlation to a movie. We don't know if that's because MGM halted the production of it uh, uh, due to its financial woes, or if this is just a branching off topic within the same field but we are still within the daniel craig universe of bond and we're still in the ultra action version of bond apparently we're going to be jet sitting across the world yet again going to places like let me see athens istanbul monaco siberia and bangkok this time we have james bond paired up with a wealthy socialite voiced by joss stone which is very nice and it will have it developed by Bizarre Creations, which are the creators of Blur and Geometry Wars. And good, uh, another fun thing to note, if you're a fan of the films, as I am, it is written by the screenwriter of the GoldenEye film, starring Pierce Brosnan. Oh, that is one of the best Bond movies ever. I would, uh, I, I put it up there in my top ten, maybe. I'm not sure top five, but definitely, you know, it's definitely watchable still, which I can't say for all the Bond films. Mm. That's Bruce. Firestein, or I'm Fierstein. I'm probably mispronouncing that to hell. Please excuse me, <laughs> oh lord of screenwriters. But you can expect it 360, PS3, and PC. Or if you have a DS, we have a separate version coming to you by Inspace, who are who are currently making Tron Evolution Battle Grids, the Wii game tie-in to the Tron. What is it? Legacy tie-in mm. game. Yep. So that should be that should be interesting too. Here we got more plot details on the uh, site, including all the. Voice cast list, Daniel Craig and Judy Dench are returning as their respective film roles, and we just have much more about that, and including the debut trailer, so make sure to check that out. But Mots, you and I, we're Bond fans, so what oh, do you yeah. think about this one? Uh, it's good. I like uh, I like the concept of it. I like an original Bond story. Uh, I, like, uh, I really like that they have all the actors in place, at least all the important ones. Uh, the gameplay looks decent. Um, you know, people say that this just looks like a generic third-person shooter, but that's basically what Bond is, so, you know, <laughs> you can't really change that. Uh, I do think the graphics leave something to be desired. I think one of these days they're going to have to make a big-budget, you know, uh, Uncharted 2 graphic-style Bond game that looks spectacular in every way. Uh, the animation is going to be And it's going to star Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I'm excited. Uh, I would definitely try to wait for the reviews, as I do with all Bond games. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely more excited about this than Goldeneye on the Wii. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. From what I've seen of that, it, it's not looking good. It's really going to have to come up and impress me when it's released. What so was your one, What was your that? favorite Bond game? Goldeneye. No problem on the N64. That's that's asking like what? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Chronicles of Riddick game? There's okay. only one. Let's <laughs> let's, only let's one. say besides that one. Um, I haven't really played a lot of Bond games. I haven't. I guess if I wanted to say what a Bond type of game, what I want Bond to be, that would probably be Splinter Cell: Conviction. I felt much more like Bond playing that game than pretty much any other game under the license, but. 
I did like um, From Russia With Love, even though it was a very mediocre version of it, but it was a, it was decent for being a film-related game, but yeah. otherwise Bond has not been pretty high on my list in terms of video game protagonists. Kind of like Mickey Mouse. He hasn't had a really good game for years. Although he he's set to have a good one. Uh, Epic Mickey's looking good, so hopefully James Bond will kind of take a cue from Mickey Mouse on how to reboot a character outside of his na- native medium. But yeah. I'm excited See- about this. I'm excited about Bloodstone because it's on a revamped engine, excuse me, for the club, the old arcade shooter from a couple of years ago, which I really liked, but a lot of people didn't. But that kind of very fast action that's not necessarily focused on anything on skill related, just more of a uh, uber experience, kind of like the uh, single player campaign to the Modern Warfare. That should be interesting, even though it is still the third person shooter and driving missions that we've come to know. (laughs) I seem to remember Tomorrow Never Dies being a pretty good Bond game. Uh, I was younger at the time, so I can't really say yeah. I was too critical, but I seem to remember that being really good. Uh, so that's the, that, that and Goldeneye are really my two big Bond games. <clears throat> I, I remember Rogue Agent being passable, at the very least. Yeah. Which is, a, which is another game developed outside of a specific film, which I think is the way to go, for def- definitely for James Bond. Well, I, I think I think you can do movie-related games good. Well, I mean, Tomorrow Never Dies and Goldeneye was pretty good. But um, they have to start early. And perhaps not even release until like a year after the film or something. Yeah, uh, movie tie-in games should be, probably be for the Blu-ray or home video release rather than the theatrical release. Yeah. That's just a way to reinforce... If it's a basic marketing, you want to reinforce interest after after your main financial grab period of the theatrical release has passed. That way, you know, you can constantly reinforce the friend, uh, the IP and get more out of it after it's, after it, you know, it should have had its time in the sun, which is always a nice way to go. Not to mention but, you can bundle the two, so you can sell the Blu-ray with the game and all the... And which is first. always awesome. Yeah. Or do it after the fact, like, uh, what was it? Hold on. Stranglehold and Hardboiled, which is still a pretty damn good deal to get Hardboiled on Blu-ray. That's probably the best extra you can probably ask for ever. Mm. So, really nice there. Yep. But, again, we're moving on. <laughs> and um, I would love to go over the DJ Hero, uh, DJ Hero 2 artist list, but there's over 100. So check that out and be happy that Daft Punk's still on there. But other than it, that, far not enough time to talk about. Let's, so let's, ins- let's, let's just say it seems more poppy. Might be good. It was the um, first one was a little bit hip hop heavy for me, but uh, we're we're heading off to a different <laughs> different franchise entirely here. Red Faction is getting a live action film. We heard uh, rumblings and rumors for quite a few months now, and come March 2011, we're going to get Red Faction Origins, another origin story film coming from T. Oh, excuse me, not THQ. They developed the game, <laughs> and um, this is coming from Sci-Fi. So it will be a television film. Made-for-TV film, which on sci-fi is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you have your camp classes uh, fixed on your skull at the time of watching. And this is two hours long, so it's a hefty little little thing. And it looks to be pretty high production values. But again, we're going on the opening amount of information, which isn't very much for a film like this. But you excited? Uh, Depends. I mean... uh... We have a lot of Marsh movies out there, uh, and if if the whole uh, monster thing from the new game is going to be present, then I think we already have that movie, and it's called uh, Ghosts on Mars. So, yeah. 
Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, I don't know. I haven't watched many uh, sci-fi original films. I, I definitely don't have, I definitely need to be in a mood for camp and I haven't been recently, but, um, Red Faction has always been something that would interest me more where I don't play it. I'm not necessarily interested in seeing, uh, causing mass mayhem unless it's like a postal variety where I can like kill people instead of, you know, burst down buildings. But on film, that's classic. That's a classic image that I can sit back with a bowl of popcorn and veg to. So mm. I'd be much more interested in a cinematic Red Faction experience as opposed to an interactive one. So I'll be, I'll be uh, taking a look <laughs> at this, um, in the coming months, definitely, but. I'll say this though, you know, of all the things, uh, of all the aspects you could rate a game by, uh, you know, story, music, uh, gameplay, graphics, the story in Red Faction is the worst, so. Uh, well, how much of a story can you make on, you know, blowing shit up in, on Mars? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's move on here. We have a, um, if there's one comment that we, uh, that's been circling around the news here, uh, that's not related to Infinity Ward, um, our favorite story of the year here at Elder Geek. It's Bobby Kotick, our favorite person in the industry here <laughs> at the site. More importantly, what Tim Schafer said about Bobby Kotick. And if I may just re, uh, you know, rephrase and regurgitate here for a second. Total prick, he, he was called. Pretty basic. Tim Schafer doesn't really like to beat around the bush here. But we have re- responses both from Activision and from Schaefer himself here. Let's go into Activision first here, coming direct as a direct quote from Mary Ann Lataif. Lataif. I am probably mispronouncing that. Lataif. Thank you. The Activision Blizzard Senior Vice President of Corporate Communications. I gotta love these titles here. And I am quoting here, Tim Schaefer's comment that Bobby Kotick makes a big deal about not liking games just isn't true. Bobby has always been passionate about games and loves the video game industry. But as CEO, but as CEO of a company that makes games enjoyed by millions of people worldwide, the demands on his time now make it difficult to play games as often as he liked or as much as he want, or as much as he once did. As Schaefer himself notes, he's never actually met Bobby Kotick. So, pretty sensible response here. Schaefer has also responded to his previous comments at the Develop Conference, in which he also outlined the future of Double Fine Entertainment, which appears to be more in smaller games than full AAA release titles. Good. And I quote, I quote again from here, here, uh, from him. After the Eurogamer theme, I realize I'm a little nervous about what I want to say. It's shocking how. Uh, how you can't really burn bridges in the industry. You start your own company and you don't have to work for that jerky boss anymore. Not naming names. Then it's the imp- then it's like the Empire Strikes Back. You walk in the room and holy shit, Darth Vader's at the table. It's such a small industry. You see the same people over and over again. No one ever goes away. That was, this was um, that referring to the uh, comments was an accident. I need to keep my mouth shut. I was going to change the title of my talk, me- referencing his developed conference speech or panel to how to give interviews and remember to check the microphone is switched off. <laughs> so, you know, always always a good guy to check it on the chin here, Mr. Schaefer. Um, remember his comments on after uh, Activision sued for uh, rights to Brutal Legend after it went over to EA, I believe. So always nice to get him in front of a microphone. But across the board here, very interesting things said about very interesting things said in the past. Moss. Where do you I, find yourself here? I feel like we need to uh, uh, review the whole situation. Uh, let's just sum up what's going on here, because uh, Double Fine left Activision, or they 
decided not to work with Activision after Activision shot them down on Brutal Legend um, and didn't want to uh, pay for Brutal Legend to be developed. And so yes. they went to EA, which did want to pay for Brutal Legend to be developed. And what Activision then did is, no, we can't give our competition this game we don't think is going to make money, so we have to try and get the rights for it to stop the game from being made. Might not want to be putting active, uh, words in Activision's mouth. They seem to have the ability to uh, follow up on these kind of comments, Moss. Well, you know, if, if Kodak listens to this, then I think it's worth it. So <laughs> I'm just hey. going to... Uh, that's basically what happened. I mean, I'm not saying, uh, you know, exactly what their stance is, but that's basically what happened and how the industry, industry, um, uh, you know, took it. And uh, so, you know, this whole lawsuit ensued, and Tim Schafer said some things, and Kodak said didn't say some things, um, and uh, and people were pissed off because for a while it looked like Brutal Legend, this game that everyone wanted the shit out of was never going to happen because of one... They never bothered to pay for it when it was actually released, yeah. if the sales figures are any indication. Exactly. And so, you know, people were pissed. And uh, this thing is still going on. <laughs> uh, but it's more personal now. So I think, you know, <laughs> what Tim said, uh, he really had a good reason for saying whether he met the man or not. Um, uh, from his perspective, at, at the very least... Uh, but uh, he does need to learn to watch his mouth, and more so, Kodak needs to learn to shut up. Just don't say anything at all, because whatever you say is going to be taken in a bad way. So, yeah. Yeah, as a CEO, he, sends, he does seem to be a bit verbose, than, more verbose than others. I'm not exactly sure if it's a learned skill in the CEO market to keep your mouth shut, but perhaps maybe just being um, learning euphemisms a bit more would... Uh, help codec but as far as our position hey he makes our news quite frequently so mm. i'm not exactly sure i want him to learn from his uh <laughs> from his pr blunders exactly yeah well uh any <laughs> final thoughts Mots? <laughs> i think just uh it's a weird situation you know because uh it seems like the thing is done you know brood legend got out i don't know if the lawsuit is still going on i haven't you know kept up to date on that, but I imagine it's not, since Bird Legend after all is out. So, you know, why not just, yeah, exactly, just bury the bridge and just never speak of it again. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I'm just confused. Eh, I, I'm pretty sure everyone is confused, including Kodak and Schaefer in the, at this point. Yeah. But it's worth noting that Brutal Legend won't get a sequel. That's what Tim Schafer said, in addition to his talks. So, too bad. Well, but, you know, I, I did play the game. It yeah. wasn't that great. <laughs> it, was uh, it, was good, it was good where Schafer works well. Story, yeah. character development, world creation, all that good stuff. But the mixture of elements may have just not been a good profitable point for the current market. Uh, yeah. you, can't really, you can't really sell RTS-influenced third-person hack-and-slash action. And if you not, can sell it this economy. And if you can't sell it to a guy that's a Viking and loves metal, then it's going to be hard. Yeah, although the soundtrack was worth the $60 alone. That was probably the best I've ever heard in a game soundtrack. I'm, I, it I, I it think, seriously rivaled Rockstar, I just, think, just by its ability to guess good metal songs. Yeah, I think maybe even the soundtrack in itself, if you were to buy each song on iTunes, would be worth $60. So. 
Oh, easily. It's a, what, a, over a hundred songs? Oh yeah, yeah. But the 99 cents per song? Eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay anything for, I don't pay anything to Apple. May they rot in the hell that they create themselves. Mm. But <laughs> moving on to um, Apple's rival, if you will, Microsoft here, or specifically Peter Molyneux, it, um, recently spoke again on his favorite project, Project Milo. Don't we all love Milo? We didn't get him at E3 2010, but remember we had him at E3 tw- uh, 2009. Oh, and that- we had yeah. him. <laughs> Watch your words carefully, man. (laughs) Okay, then. I shall. But uh, apparently Molyneux has a new tech demo about Milo that is ten times more amazing than was previously shown. Oh, good accent. Uh, Go ahead. I was saying good accent. (laughs) Thank you, yes. Uh, Just the grandfatherly bred accent. It's pretty uh, pretty stereotypical. No offense to Molyneux, of course. But um, this talk is going to be a bit insane, he said. He gave his own presentation, which unfortunately not many people were privy to. But apparently there is a much more elaborate Milo demo that's out there, which we'll probably get eventually through the Internet somehow. And it's just further the notion that Milo is going to be a game somehow that we'll eventually see on Kinect. So, Moss, are you prepared to shell out... $60 $60 for Milo. After the $150 for uh, for Antal, no. Hey, hey don't, don't, don't get ahead of ourselves in the news. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, no. Can I say that? See, <laughs> yes, yes uh, you can. It's, it's a cool technology, but it's one that can work with anything. You don't need the Kinect to, uh, to do this. You just need a microphone and a camera. Uh, Indeed. So... Uh, I'm waiting for the PC version. I don't know. Um, I'm not interested in the technology at all, just interactive with a child. I'm not exactly sure how you can flesh that out to a full game. And Peter Molyneux always has ways of emphasizing certain gameplay aspects that make me feel uncomfortable. Like in Fable 3, it's your ability to touch people. I'm not sure if I want to do that. And here, he showed off Milo's ability to blush, among other facial responses. And... I just See, don't. Re- I don't really want to theorize the uh, possible scenarios in which I would want to make a virtual ten-year-old blush. See, as, that's as from one male to another. See, that's why I reacted when you said we all had him at the E3 2000. Oh God! Oh, now I'm getting it, man. Do you, yeah. do you really have to bring that up? Oh, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's naughty. That's yeah. naughty. Yeah. Naughty Viking. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, well. Okay. In your meat, so so your something shirt. positive about this. I love that he showed this as Ted. I'm a big fan of Ted, and so you know, good on him for that. I still haven't watched it. Um, Ted yeah. is a global technology event in Oxford, England. For those of you that do not know, well, it's more than that though. That's the definition, but it's more than that. It's philosophy. It's um, uh, futurists. It's everything. Uh, it's not just. Philosophy. So it's a good. Pl- it's a good place for something like Milo, which isn't necessarily yeah. something that you could broadcast at E3, which is probably why they didn't. Well, Ted is a is a place for visionaries, and so uh, uh, you know, say what you want about Peter Molyneux, he's a visionary, but he usually gets it wrong, <laughs> or at least doesn't really know how to sell it properly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. So but hey, we could it, be Milo. Yeah. Uh, let's see it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, give me give me this tech demo. I want to see it. I I don't want to see it, but I want to see it. I if I don't know if this, I could sell it better than that. Do you remember uh, on the PlayStation One demo discs 
where they included all these sort of weird uh, free uh, tech demos, basically. Oh, yeah. Make, make oh, yeah. it something like that. You know, just release it free on Xbox Live, like home or something. That would be intriguing. Like, I remember the PS2 had the Emotion Engine um, facial rendering yeah. tech demo. And, of course, the PS3 had the uh, the Heavy Rain video of the casting that everyone thought the game would eventually be. Oh, so, I yeah, mean, it's, and, um, it's always nice to see this kind of stuff. And maybe Milo, if it's a free downloadable extra, might actually be an initiative for, you know, looking into Connect at the very least, if not buying it. I'd say uh, the PlayStation's answer to Milo would be folding at home or something. If you know what uh, um, Well, why don't you explain it for our listeners that don't? Well, it's uh, it's basically this uh, processing uh, distributor uh, that hooks up with the server network and uh, creates your uh, makes your PS3 into a processing server for uh, for folding proteins simulations, uh, which can help cure Alzheimer's and uh, and Huntington's disease and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty neat. Always a nice way to show off hardware in a different way than we expect. So it'll be interesting to see how Molyneux brings this to market, if he does at all. So keep an eye on that here. But we have, um, but since Moss <coughs> brought it up oh so bluntly, um, <laughs> our big news story of the year, uh, of the year, of the of the week before we go into our, to our discussion pieces is Connect has officially been priced, and yes, it is officially 150 US dollars, like we have. <laughs> like we have thought for why, uh, um, eons and eons, it's been revealed and uh, leaked dozens of times at this point, and Microsoft has eventually come out and said, yes, indeed, 150 US dollars. But you can get a slim 360, 4, four gigabyte arcade unit with the Kinect so- uh, hardware for $300 starting November 4th. So you can always, you have options, but remember, if you get the $150 Kinect, it comes with Kinect Adventures. Which Yay, no which one I, will want to play. <laughs> which I played at E3. It's functional over 50% of the time. Woo! <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Mons, you, you're a very opinionated Kinect man, especially when it comes to price, so lay it on us. See, it's this beautiful piece of technology that's cheap to make, but they make it expensive. This is Microsoft in a nutshell. It's cheap to make a hard drive, so why the fuck does it cost a hundred bucks? It's just—it's how they make it. Yeah. It's how they make money. It's how they make bank. But yeah. you, are you going to pay a hundred fifty dollars for Connect months? Yeah, I'm, I'm a technology geek. I'm probably going to do it. Really? At Either that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Let's see, I—I I, I mean, I'm starting in a year after I've done some other stuff. I'm starting, uh, you know, game design. At the mm. local university, so if I don't buy it, I'll probably get it, get to try it out there. So always a good, always a good way to start class, I guess. Yeah. Good initiative to <laughs> be on time. Yeah. Me, I'm not seeing it. I, it's not the launch is not for people like me. I w- willingly admit that Microsoft knows that. So I'll see them probably at next year's E3, just you know, holding out my hands and saying, "What you got for me this time." And they'll so, say, we're removing 50 bucks from the prize. Okay, and, and three, sti- show me actual software. It's like, yeah. Connectables 2! Never mind, I'll be back next year, bye. See, no, I'm, I'm expecting some things to come out by the end of the uh, 2010 fiscal year, so March 2011. We're going to see at least you know teasers for actual games that people beyond the 2 and 200-year-olds would want to play. I, so. think, I think you're going about this whole thing whole, uh, all wrong. I think the beauty of, of Connect isn't 
full-out hardcore games. It's little features within games. Well, yeah, I'm not a minority report enthusiast. I don't want, you know, the, uh, the cross-media functionality. I don't want live chat. I don't want any of that. I don't. I would actually prefer to navigate via buttons and joysticks, as it were. See, um, I think I think you're going to do both. I think uh, just like uh, Burnout Paradise on the PS3, if you have the iToy or the PlayStation Eye, you play with the actual stick, but it captures uh, a, a little, a little, you know, uh, footage, uh, a piece of footage of you uh, when you take someone down, and so you get to, you know, flash your whatever, what you may call them. Uh, but um, I think you know little integrations into games like that. You know, in Forza Four, if you lean your head, you look around the car and stuff like that while you're driving with the actual gamepad. I think that is going to be the beauty of Connect. I do not think it can do full-on hardcore games uh, without a controller. Just because, is, how do you run? Run in place. Yeah. I don't know. I'm expecting a lot of funny Connect videos, just like we had a lot of funny Wiimote video, uh, videos of just people running in place and then forgetting that they're running in place and then just smack dab into <laughs> the television set or yeah. into their entertainment centers or something like that. Or like someone just getting bitch slapped by grandma because they're like trying to do Connect adventures and they're too close. I thought that would be my main source of amusement for Connect for at least the six months beyond its launch period come November. But hey, that That's again. A- does it worry you that it's after a uh, move? No, oh, not at all. No, Connect is its is, is its own world. Okay. Um, pl- the PlayStation is going to be marketing. Not it's it's heavier it's heavier against the Wii than it's going to be on the Connect. Mm. And I think um, I yeah, like uh, Scott Steinberg, we had an interview with him recently on the site said they're going for the Wii crowd. Hey, you motion controls were cute when the Nintendo did it. You played with the Wii mote. It's time to upgrade PlayStation Move. That is what they're going to be doing. That is what their ad focus is going to be. And they have Coke with them, Coca-Cola. So that's probably going to help them in the long run. But again, Connect is going to be its own beast come its launch period. So I'm not going to... It's it's placement in terms of the year is not going to affect it at all. And plus, it's probably a better placement because it's closer to the holiday period and it's not going to lose interest in the preceding months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, I think we've talked too much about that. Let's go. Let's talk about games because that's what we love to do. And uh, Mobsier is a fan, of course, of the game series. We're talking about Oddworld. Yeah. Oddworld, of course, is coming back after five years. Last Ooh. one being, um, let's see, um, just Oddworld Odyssey. Any of the games that you could uh, think of debuted on the original Xbox in, in 2001, and we're bringing it back. Just well, Add Water announced that's... recently to doing it. Well, I'm going to clarify. The last game was actually Stranger's Wrath, which was a 3D game. Uh, oh, no, I'm saying it's uh, original. No, oh, yeah. I didn't say the last game, but yeah, uh, Stranger's Wrath uh, 05? Yes, it's, uh, yeah. it's listed as 05 here. So, like I said, five years. Coming on back, Just at, Just Ed Water is bringing it back home. So, Mots, you're the resident fan. Happy? Sad? What do you want from it? Uh, depends on what it is. We don't really know that much about it. I don't want another Stranger's Wrath. I want uh, Bionic Commander rearmed, Oddworld styled. Oh, so, interesting. So yeah, I want uh, I want a two D game uh, with three D graphics, much like the first game was a two D game with three D graphics. Uh, but I want it, you know, uprest and all that stuff, and with the same cool humor and uh, and awesome gameplay. I mean, well, Oddworld well. was basically the perfect stealth game to me. Really? Yeah. Stealth, okay. No, no, seriously, play the first game. You do not want to fight any enemies there. Not directly, at least. 
See, what you can do is you can control the enemies and make them fight each other and stuff like that. It's really awesome. Trust me, it's like the awesomest stealth game ever. It sounds <laughs> kind of like, um, given given the design I've seen of it, and I love the art style, it seems kind of like a mix... Um, it has the mind of thief and the and the uh, the body of Earthworm Jim, which is is always nice. It's kind of that See, wacky art style with that um, surprisingly deep gameplay, from what I've heard. Oh yeah, and from- the story is awesome as well. Uh, it's uh, it's strange. I mean, it's like Oddworld is this place that's very much inspired by uh, you know sort of like an alternate universe where you can imagine things evolving into these beings. And everything's very detailed, but at the same time, it's so wacky and insane that it's just... It's like the definition of awesome. <laughs> we'll take your word on it, Mons. Yeah. But again, not a lot of info now, so Mons will just keep his fingers crossed and hoping for all of us as we get more info from just Edwater. We don't even have a release period yet, folks, so this not- could be stuff that we'll be hearing about for a long time. Yep. Not to mention name. Mm, that's true. We, we don't even have a name. That's right. Yeah. But uh, what do you say we round out things with our main discussion, discussion piece of the week here? That cool with you, Mons? Oh yeah. I'm and excited. as usual, yeah. And as usual, a lot of our as a lot of our discussion piece, pieces uh, hmm. revolve around Bioware has come out with a statement that's a good way to start a uh, start a discussion topic with any of your gamer friends here. Triple A development is a very poor goal, according to Greg Zuschuk the co-founder of, of course, of Bioware, um, just, in, uh, I'll just quote him, so you can take, you don't have to take my word for it. While blockbuster game creation is everything that most game developers working today growing up wanted to do, it's precisely the wrong thing to chase in gaming's contemporary landscape. As a result, innovation and creativity are being squeezed. Where the bottom of the market had dropped out at one point, now it's the middle of the market has dropped out. Unless you can be in the top ten releases at one given time, it's unlikely that a AAA game is going to make money. Start um, so um, basically saying outlining that we're uh, it's really all about the AAA games here, and a lot of uh, I think the industry has lost focus because of it. And I would agree with I would agree with them. Like we said earlier, Double Fine's focusing on smaller productions with uh, Telltale Games' episodic release schedule and its game development program. We're seeing a lot of influx and interest in. Uh, independent development beyond that even with um, Xbox Live Indie and Steam and all that stuff and all those primary endorsements. So I think the industry is at a point now where it really has to check itself before it wrecks itself, if you will. But uh, what do you think? What do you think, Monster? Are you all about AAA games? Everything needs to be AAA or do you want to see a bit more variety in terms of scope and possibly price too? Well, to me, this has two sides to it. Uh, he says that a AAA development is a poor goal for developers. Yes. Um, but I think it could be a great result, if you know what I mean. I, I think uh, you shouldn't uh, go. You know, you shouldn't start off saying we want to make a AAA third-person shooter. You should say we want to make this world. We want to have this character. We want these things to happen to him. And what do we need to do to realize that in the best possible way? If that just so happens to end up in a multi-million dollar budget, uh, effectively effectively making it a triple-A game, then as long as your vision and, and, and concept is good, then I think it'll sell. Uh, of course, you shouldn't, at the same time, you shouldn't release it next to Call of Duty, but... Um, you know, if if AAA is a result rather than a goal, then I think it could be a great thing. I think maybe that's what happens with Bioware, 
because they really th- seem to set the story and the concept of the world first, and then they build a game around that, not the other way around. I don't know. I would agree that Bioware is a good example. I would think a better example would be um, Ubis- uh, the development team behind Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I can tell you. I just by looking at that game, you can tell it was not intended to be the kind of fiscal phenomenon that it turned out to be. It was a very surprise hit. These are people that, um, and again, I'm quoting Zeschuk here, saying they made clear, defined, and measurable goals and built a studio culture that allows those goals to be those goals to be realized. Mm. Once you you know you're building around your kind of ideas and exactly how you can get those ideas to the most um, efficient fruition. And mm. I think that's that is a good way to go. I think it's a bit of a um, flighty definition. It's not really a um, a good thing to you know build a studio off of on the quote alone. But definitely, this is what people need to be thinking of. Well, the mindset of like I need to release a AAA game every year on the year is definitely a um, a hazardous one for most developers to make mm. if you're not you know if you're not Infinity Ward or if you're not Nintendo. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, there's another side to this as well, because if you set out with these uh, these goals that are built around the world and built around the experience you want to create, rather than <clears throat> the rating you want the game to get, then you also get games like Flower, where they oh, yeah. really didn't have many goals, they just had this feeling they wanted to represent in the game. They wanted to find, you know, calm, serenity... Uh, and and they did that perfectly with Flower, and how did they do it? They did, did it exceptionally cheap, even though the game looks amazing. Well, any of that game company's releases, and literally, that, that's their title, if people don't know, that game yeah. company is their official name, but any of their releases is very much a mantra-centered development cycle. It's not a... Uh, it's not necessarily a price structure or a size-related cycle, which most games are these days, especially in the shooter genre. Mm. And that's really good. I just, I'm not sh- exactly sure how um, people that want to be beyond independent will take to that. It's not a very, it's not a very, what's the word, um, lucrative seeming idea. It's not one that you can see yourself. You know, if you want to just go into game development to be rich and famous, which sadly a lot of people want to do, rather than make, rather than make the games. They're going to be very focused on, you know, the uh, the highest selling, high, um, highest flexibility, high um, glossiest product they can come up with, rather than anything revolving around internal depth. And the ironic thing is that if you do want to be at least famous, then that's exactly what you don't want to do, because one of the most well known names in the games industry uh, are people who made innovative, but not very well selling titles. We all, all of our us, you know, industry fans know the name Genova Chen, which is the guy behind Flower and Flow. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he has 20, maybe 15 to 20 people behind him. He started out with five people to make Flow, and so and he didn't make very much money, and he got picked up by Sony, and now he, now he makes a little bit more money, but it's not like Flower or Flow sold a bunch. So, you know, uh, much more than the guys, you know, we had almost never even heard of the guys uh, behind, uh, the main guys behind uh, you know, Call of Duty in, uh, at Infinity Ward before they got fired. So, yeah, that's true. So, you know, it's not about <laughs> making something that sells. It's about making something people love. Like, I think seriously. That, yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, the problem with uh, selecting your idol is that you're looking at them as the end result to their former innovation. Mm. Like, uh, people like Kojima-san, who is now heading up one of the most, you know, I would say triple... You would definitely say, and I would agree, triple A mm. franchises in the in the industry and that's not how he started i no. mean um 
uh, a lot and Miyamoto-san, who is of course, uh, you know, sneezes in a napkin and it makes a, it sells a million copies. He didn't start that way either. He didn't and even know so, how to make a game. He just knew how to draw. Yeah. He uh, yeah, that's um, the <laughs> Mario wasn't design. Even that good at that. <laughs> the Mario design is based on concessions yeah. because he didn't know how to code. So I mean, um, it's difficult to assess uh, for a lot of entry developers to pick how they want to be or who they want to be because they don't really look at the entire history behind them rather than just their current financial success, which mm. rarely makes the person or rarely gives a good picture of the person as a whole. Yep. I think the key thing is to be original and not to be afraid to pursue your ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to, of course, be able to discard ideas if, if they're you know universally bad. But even if, if there's, you know almost universal uh, denial of the awesomeness of your idea, you should still keep it in the back of your mind and maybe you'll be able to realize it later. So I think, you know, this this whole focus on on making th- something that's just cool, that just works, is never going to um, survive in the future. Mm. Slightly depressing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, do you have anything? I, I don't to... think so. I think that's good. I think if creativity and innovation survives, then I think, you know, more so than having these solid mechanics that just works and feel nice, it's it's more important. Innovation always always survives. Yeah. Cuz otherwise, we'd all with the entire the entire industry would collapse. So, it's a guarantee that innovation will come along. It's just a matter of Telling the people that are cur- that are currently trying to be innovative how to be innovative, or exactly how not to be not innovative. Mm. But yeah. uh, you got any wrapping up thoughts here, Moss, before we uh, close out on the news ma- segment this week? Well, I'll just like to say that something is brewing in Elugeek, and you should keep an eye out. Very nice, very nice little yeah. tease there. I would I would reflect that. Yes, something is coming. By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. But I would also suggest everyone listening a rare movie endorsement from me, or not from me, but Elder Geek. Go see Inception. Go see it now. Go see it for the third time if you've already seen it twice. If only go I, see it because I can't. Because I live yes, in Norway go see and it we suck. For mods. <laughs> Buy the ticket for mods. Send him pictures of you with a ticket just so he can live vicariously through your cinema experiences. Oh. But it's a great film. One that need you know one that needs success. I know Christopher Nolan will get its success, but these are the kind of films that you want, even though even if you don't know that you want them. So, go check it out, but don't stray too long from Elder Geek because we got big things coming in the wings. Oh yeah! All right, bye guys. Later, everybody.